Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey everyone, it's Pav here. Uh, before we start this episode of the podcast, I just want to tell you, we had a little bit of technical issues right at the end. Uh, I'll be back with you at the end to explain a little bit about what went on. Um, I'll leave it for then. So until then, let's start the countdown. Hi, I'm Pav. And I'm Neil. And welcome to the Top 10 of Anything podcast. Let's start the countdown! 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. There are some impossible questions to try and answer. What came first, the chicken or the egg? Why is a boxing ring square in shape? And what do you say when your partner asks, does my bum look big in this? One of the hardest questions to answer is what is the greatest movie ever? Well, we are about to try and do just that. Here's Neil with 10 great movie facts. Thank you very much, Pav. So with, in honour of our special guest for Christmas here, I thought I would tell the, re- the listeners, the readers, the listeners... <laughs> uh, <laughs> The top 10 of the Empire Magazine's poll for the greatest movies of all time, so everybody knows, and we can see if we've got any crossovers. So, at number 10, they had Goodfellas. At number 9, Raiders of the Lost Ark. At number 8, Avengers Infinity War. At number 7, Pulp Fiction. Number 6, Jaws. Number 5, The Shawshank Redemption. Number 4, The Dark Knight. Number 3, The Godfather. Number two, Star Wars Empire Strikes Back. And number one, Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring. Why? Damn it. I need to change my list. Uh, those dulcet tones that you can hear. Um, there's only one person we could think of if we're gonna do if we're gonna tackle something as mad and batshit crazy as the greatest movies of all time. We had to have the Geek Queen, the legend from Empire Magazine. Helen O'Hara is with us once again. Hello, Helen. <laughs> hello, hello. Lovely to be here. Hi. Oh, my God. Right, let's unpack this first. Um, mm. First of all, now I've I've literally just changed my top ten again. So right up before mm. we pressed record, I, I changed it. What's your definition of your greatest movie in regards to what you counted for your top ten? Is it like something that you can watch over and over again? It's something that is technically brilliant? something that moves you what would you say was your your parameters for this 
I so I really struggled with lists as a concept. I like I don't think you know what you, you some of those that you've just listed are perfect films. They are perfect, yeah. right? There's nothing wrong with them, um, and they are just different films. So how do you possibly rank those? I find it. Um, I mean, it's look. It's essentially part of my job. It's something I end up doing an awful lot. I've just you know. As we speak, as we're as we're recording this, Sight and Sound are launching their 100 Greatest Films of All Time, their latest update. And I contributed a list to that, which I tried to replicate here, but I've forgotten it. Um, <laughs> and, um, and and this is the problem. It's, it, I, it doesn't come naturally. So what I've chosen to do over the years is kind of stress less about it and uh, basically follow all those movie mentors and follow my heart. So... I have to think it is great. I have to honestly believe it is a great film and feel able to stand over that that word, that that definition. But I also have to love it. And that is where I find myself differing from a lot of the lists. Something like The Godfather, I absolutely admire enormously. I think it is an astonishing piece of filmmaking. I, I cannot fault it in any respect. I personally do not love it in my heart mm. i admire it in my head and therefore it is not in my top 10 so um i'm just going to get that out there right now the godfather not on my list yeah but yeah. it is not a lack of respect yeah no. it's not in my top 10 either just to just to, for full disclosure so neil the question i was going to ask you and it sort of goes with what helen said as well is there are some movies that you feel like The Godfather, you feel, well, if you're going to do a top 10 greatest movies, whether you like it or not, that's got to be in there just well, because of <clears> its, <throat> you know, just its standing in the law of movies. Mm. Did you have that feeling when you did your top 10? Well, I, I tried not to. I, I sort of went a bit like Helen. I, I chose what I thought was my perfect movie, what I enjoyed, what I took the time out to go and see and did it that way. But it's an ever-evolving uh, list, isn't it? Mm. Uh, to yeah. me, I, I don't think... If I was sat with my list in front of me all day at work or wherever I am, I think it would change every hour. So mm, I'd yeah. have to be a bit harsh and say, no, we'll stick with where we are. And I still changed it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I know for a fact, if I looked at, if, if we did this and recorded this the same time tomorrow, I'm sure my top 10 would be different. Yeah. Yeah. But by the end of the recording, you'll have reminded me of 16 different films that I absolutely think are worthy of inclusion. Exactly. Um, but, exactly. you know, I'm, I'm just going to stick with the ones I brung, as it were, and not sub in Fellowship of the Ring. Damn it. I yeah. I forget Fellowship. Yeah. But I'm going to stick with the ones I had already. Um, I, because, like, it's a snapshot. It's a snapshot in time mm. and it and it is not absolute. And... Yeah, like I say, by its nature, it is reductive. It is uh, impossible to rank these films. I mean, sometimes I've chosen a film by a director that I love, mm. but I could have done a top ten just by that director. No. We have we have discussed, we had these discussions. You have built yeah. your podcast on these discussions. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, it's an impossible task. Is basically it. Thank you, thank you guys for setting me in a totally impossible task. Yeah. Well, we're all in the same boat. That's the, that's what I, that's True. the way I feel. Yeah, that's but, the main thing, isn't it? But we're kind of it, it also. I, there were some some movies that I was looking at and I'm thinking, is it a bit more trendier to put this mm. in as a top mm -hmm. in the top ten? You know, uh, am I being a bit too? obvious for some of the ones i've got in my top 10 but anyway but you can't overthink it either you know you can't no, no. listen thing. to your heart you know that is right that is right right 
Um, I do want to talk to you about Empire Magazine and, and some of the stuff going on there as well, but we'll do that a little bit later. We'll get on, we'll crack on with the actual business. And we all hope right. you've all had a lovely Christmas as well. This will be coming out in box on Boxing Day. So this will be oh, perfect. Yay. Merry Christmas season, everybody. Yes. Merry Christmas, everybody, and Merry Holiday season. Right, Helen, kick us off with your number 10. My number 10 is not Fellowship of the Ring. Um, it is His Girl Friday. Uh, this is one of my all-time favourite comedies. Um, it is uh, a classic film that I go back to almost more than any other. Um, and it's the kind of film that is uh, gave me a false impression of how cool and glamorous journalism was going to be and how many fabulous hats I was likely to wear. But um, but it's, it's an impeccable film. It's Rosalind Russell and Cary Grant. Uh, she's the star reporter. He's the editor and ex-husband. And uh, she is about to go off and get remarried and also retire. Now, these two things are both important. He doesn't want to lose the chance of getting back together. He also doesn't want to lose his star reporter. So he sort of coerces and convinces her to take on essentially one last story before she goes and uses that as an attempt to to win her back. It's all put together by Howard Hawks. It's got an incredible supporting cast. It has rapid fire dialogue, like jokes. I think it's 140 words a minute or something, which most, wow. most films are about half that. Uh, so the jokes just keep coming at you. They're nonstop. And, uh, and it's, it's phenomenal. It's so knowing and sly and clever and funny. I just love it. You know what? I've never seen that movie. No. And, I, and I feel like it's one of those movies that that laid laid the path for a lot of comedies that came huge influence on rom coms after at least the good rom coms. I think if yeah. you're if you're making a rom com and you don't watch His Girl Friday, it, it, it's a bad decision, basically. That you should <laughs> you should absolutely go back to the this well and, and yeah. be inspired by it. Yeah. Neil, have you ever seen it? A long time ago. It's been a long time since I saw it. I always remember one of my partners, she was a big fan of that years ago. Um, and made me watch it. And I was I was a bit harumphy about watching it. But after I went through it, it's it was a joy. I can remember laughing and yeah, it's it's an absolute joy. But I really do need to revisit it because it's been a long time. It's, yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna make a, make it a mission, try and find it over the holidays it, and uh Last I checked, it's it's streaming on a couple of different services, so oh, it's it? very it is very easy to get. Um, um, but it, yeah, it's really worth your time because it it will not bore you. Okay, really we'll do that. Okay, Neil, you're number ten. Well, this is the film that I did put back into the top ten after watching it this weekend. I watched the extended version, and this is on honor of uh, Helen as well. It's Lord of the Rings: Fellowship of the hey. Ring. Yeah. <laughs> um, to me, the best Lord of the Ring or Hobbit movie of of them all. It's uh, it, it set the groundwork. It was, to me, the best directed... Well, I shouldn't say best directed. It, visually, it was the one that pleased me the most. I t- it just a complete package and set you on mm. the path to the rest of the movies. It's I'd forgotten how good it really was because mm-hmm. I sort of stayed away from them for a bit after... After The Hobbit, really. I, I thought, I think that soured my taste buds a little bit on that universe. But I went back this weekend, watched Fellowship of the Ring and thought, wow... This is an absolute blinder. And it reminded me how I felt when I first saw it in the cinema and came out. And it's just great. Everything in it. There's not a bad moment in the movie. And I like the fact, I do like the extended version as well, because it's unapologetic. You meander with it and it doesn't ever drag Mm. ever for a long movie, which is always a good sign. Mm. I can remember all those years ago, 
in Empire Magazine when they had those, <laughs> um, I think it was like artistic drawings of what the, some of the sets were going to be like. Mm. Um, thinking, how are they going to pull this off? Mm. This is either going to look really, really cheesy or it's going to look amazing. Mm. And luckily... It looked amazing. It looked amazing. It looked it yeah. amazing. Yeah. And it's it, one of the only films I can remember where I've watched the extended version and it never felt like it was an extended version. No, it doesn't. Mm. Which is it's, crazy. It's phenomenal. I, I, it's, it's one of the cinema-going experiences of my life. I went to a midnight screening uh, uh, to see it, like the moment it was possible. Mm. And I remember being so stressed actively stressed beforehand of what if they've screwed it up what yeah. if this mm. is bad what if they've messed with my toolkit and you know because this is a book i'd read at least yearly uh pretty much all my life at that point and then um and then literally from the first words i started to relax like literally mm. from the voiceover from the gladrail voiceover and when you see that opening scene i was like oh my god it's going to be amazing yes. yeah. <laughs> and by the time they got to the mines of moria i was basically just i think i might have been crying for joy but i was definitely mm. all in for anything peter jackson wanted to make for the next 10 years i was just yes this mm. is incredible but so an amazing it, achievement to suck you into that world as well for yeah. people that i know that have never read the books and just obsessed with the movies now mm. uh, it's, it's a real real feat to have achieved that i think but it really makes you scratch your head to wonder how they got the hobbit so wrong I think I think there is um, well I have I have a lot of, of, of opinions which I won't go into about sequ uh, prequelitis and sequelitis and yeah. um, you know you really have to be very careful when padding out what's already there mm -hmm. uh, not to make it feel extraneous and I think the Hobbit was maybe on the wrong side of that interestingly I think the Rings of Power are on the right side of that this this year I actually think they did a very good job of of developing stuff in in ways that was that was surprising and interesting but. Um, but it is a it is a very it's it's actually in a weird way a more difficult book to react to adapt because it is a straight linear story. There is no mm. obvious breakpoint actually, and um, and especially as soon as they decided to make it three films, I, I was I was kind of dreading that one. Yeah. I, I, di I didn't think that was going to work. And 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 sort of visually, I think the CGI a lot mm. of the CGI was too CGI. If you know what I mean, it's, I, you, there's a fine balance. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, wasn't it all like the 60 frames a second as well, which That's didn't, right. didn't help it as well. But hey-ho. Hey-ho, indeed. Um, okay, my number 10 is, uh, I've got to thank Neil for this, because when we were chatting about this, I can't believe <laughs> I left this one off. And it's a movie from 2022, I believe it was, Everything Everywhere All at Once. Oh, great call. I watched this, and it was one of those movies that I was, I, I didn't go and see it at the cinema I was waiting for it to come on a streaming service, and then it was a Sunday afternoon. My, I think my my wife was at work, and I thought I'm going to put it on. And it was like one minute crying, one minute laughing my mm. head off, one minute wondering what the fuck was going on. It was just, it. I mean, everything, everywhere, all at once is sort of like your experience watching the film, yeah. as well as what the film is about. But it is just, I love the Daniels I love mm. um Swiss Army Man is one of it would have been in my top 10 but there's not enough spaces for top 10 unfortunately um I think I'm in their groove you know I yeah. think I yeah. just get what they do and it is just a joy from start to finish that movie and I implore anybody that thinks oh, I'm not going to bother watching that think again Sausage, sausage Fingers 
dildo butt, fight butt plugs yeah. i mean what more do you need in a, in a mainstream movie it's just fantastic jamie lee curtis is fantastic in it everybody's fantastic in it yeah it's just one of those movies that hits every single note perfectly so mm. i don't know what you guys think about it but helen what, what? Oh, absolutely with you i think it's extraordinary and i think it is you know it is as you say it's like maximal filmmaking it's maximalist filmmaking they have got thrown everything including as we say butt plugs and and sausage fingers and everything at the screen um and yet it is also a a philosophical treatise and it is Mm. also a really grounded family drama um about connecting with your loved ones it is i mean to to be able to balance all those things and juggle all those things is an absolutely monumental achievement. It is It is right up there with the greatest filmmaking challenges of all time. Mm. I, I think it's amazing. Amazing yeah, it, choice. It's, it's not a movie you can put on in the background while you're doing something else. No. You've got to... No. It makes you... Because one minute they're speaking English, the next minute they're speaking another language and then another language, and you've got to be focused on it. But it's not focused in a sense of like, well, I don't understand where this is going. There are certain points of it where it makes you go, I have no idea what's going on now. But it all comes, and it's just fantastic. It is just, I was so happy when I watched it mm. that, like, I wish I'd seen it at the cinema. I'd obviously wish mm. I'd seen it at the cinema. But, yeah, it's an experience. And, and again, anybody that is thinking, well, maybe I should watch it, just watch it and thank me later. Mm. That's all I'm going to say. Um, okay, yes. Helen, your number nine, please. My number nine. Um, this is the most recent one on my list. Um because something like everything ever, I, I adored, but I, you know, I, I feel like it needs to marinate with me a little bit longer. Yeah, before yeah. I'm, I was going to put it on here. So the most recent one is, I think it's 2016, Hunt for the Wilder People. Oh, I yeah. love this film with all my heart. I think Ricky Baker is one of the greatest comic characters and tragic characters of all time. I think uh, Sam Neill has never been better, and I don't yeah. say that lightly. And I. Yeah, I, I I saw this um, on a I was on a set visit in in Down Under basically, so in about March, months and months before it came out here, and I basically spent the next six months telling people that they had to go see it as soon as it arrived because it's just it's extraordinary and um, and yeah, it's just it's it's not it hasn't got big bells and whistles. It's just a great piece of writing. It's an incredible piece of adaptation from the original book. Um, superb casting, superb casting. Julian Dennison, what, what a talent! And and Taika Waititi, I think, has never been better. And no. um, you know, I know there are Jojo Rabbit fans out there, and I respect your right to be wrong. But this is a better film, <laughs> um, and this should have won him the Oscars uh, or been nominated for the Oscars. Uh, yeah, I mean, what about the latest Thor movie, though? Surely. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, look, I, I even throw this to Thor Ragnarok, which is much greater praise for me. And you know, he he had made good films before. I I enjoyed yeah. his some of his earlier stuff, but this is whole other level. I mean, yeah. what we do in the shadows, magnificent film as well. But come mm. on, Wilder yeah. People all the way. That's great. You've seen that one, Neil? I have. Yeah, I've only yeah. seen it. The, well, I've only seen it the once. <laughs> but yeah, I've only seen it once. But it's a joy. It really is a joy. And like Helen said, Sam Neill's performance in it. Wow, it's just. Oh. Yeah, it is. Yeah, just brilliant, yeah. brilliant. But it's such a quiet little movie in some mm. ways, isn't it? It's mm. a movie that you sort of can easily miss, but when you do what again, it's just magical. That movie, it's yeah. fantastic, and, the, um, and the, the chemistry that they had as well. We, absolutely yeah, great odd couple. Yeah, mm. yeah, it's great one. Great. Go on, then, Neil. Your number nine. 
So <clears throat> this is one that went in and out, in and out for a long time in my list, and it's Goodfellas, Martin Scorsese's Goodfellas. Um, I, I put it in there basically because I... Uh, how do I word this? I find it fascinating, this movie, as well as just perfection. Um, they tried to redo it um, again with Casino, didn't he? Which mm. just didn't work and it failed. But Goodfellas, to me... Um, is probably one of the finest films with a voiceover. The narrative takes you from the beginning to the end. The fact that it's based on a true story as well is phenomenal. I think everybody in it, and I think Ray Liotta has never been better or hadn't ever been better. I just think it's... I talk about perfect movies, and this is a perfect gangster movie. Well, one of them, to me. Mm. And it says it all. And the fact that Joe Pesci as well. Oh my god! Never seen anybody such a psychopath in my life. Yeah. You're actually worried watching him. <laughs> if that makes sense. Oh, absolutely, hundred yeah. percent. Yeah, yeah. That this for me is one of those movies that you feel like has to be in the top ten. It's not in my top ten, but you feel like it has to be oh, in really? the top ten. No, yeah, it's just not. Um, well, Helen, yeah. No, I thought about it. I did think long and hard mm. about it. It's again, it's it's. I admire it enormously. I think it is flawless. Um, mm. As you say, an extraordinary performance. incredible writing. Incredible camera work. Obviously, the famous you know um, tracking. tracking shot. Yeah. But but everything in that is just so beautifully judged. Um, mm. I just don't have the love generally for gangster movies as a thing i think i just don't it's not a the genre I, I vibe with as much so mm. um so i guess that's probably why it didn't make my list but I, I admire it and i don't know if it's my favorite it isn't my favorite scorsese actually either it's pro- my favorite is probably either wolf of wall street or silence controversially oh, okay. so wow. yeah i think silence is extraordinarily powerful yeah. i mean blame a catholic school perhaps but i think it's, it's <laughs> well i was i was in an iron because i'm a huge fan of king of comedy and i thought mm. oh which and i thought no i will put goodfellas because it's the one i seem to go back to and watch more than yeah. king of comedy taxi driver is another one as well i think yeah. well, he is, i right? mean yeah this is not the controversial but yeah you're right he's he's mm. incredible I, I actually think you're even a little bit harsh on casino i think casino by the standards of any other filmmaker would be considered a masterpiece i think it's only yeah. by Gorsese standards that were a bit like well it's okay isn't it mm. I, I mean it is good and it's very watchable but it just mm. reminds me far too much of, of good fellas yeah. yeah far too much scorsese is one of those people you could do a top 10 on its own of isn't it i mean yeah and I'm sure we will one day. I'm sure we, I'm sure we will one day. Absolutely. Uh, okay, my number nine is one that for me always I've always thought of as a masterclass of acting, and it's Glen Gary Glen Ross. Oh wow! It's I I don't know what it is. It's the same as if if you hear two musicians talking about working in the studio, or you hear a producer with all those banks of of knobs and sliders and buttons, and they'll say, well, we do this, and we use the DX4 for that. And I get fascinated. I have no idea. They're talking a different language. So whenever I watch Glengarry Glen Ross, it's it's such a bleak-looking, you know, rain-soaked movie. Mm. There doesn't seem to be any colour in that movie. It's all drab greys and beige and fawn and browns and stuff. But I get sucked in just by the fact that the acting in it is just mesmerizing and it doesn't matter whether it's just everybody. It's an amazing cast, but you get, we watched it. We went to the, um, well, it was a local theater. It was Cheltenham. And And even then, I mean, it wasn't, I didn't think it was on par with the movie, obviously, but it was still like, you get sucked in by just how Mm. 
Mm. Everybody is fighting for something in that movie, whether you're in power or whether you're not. And I don't know what you guys think of that as a movie, but I just, I, I had to be in my top 10. Mm. Helen? Oh, I, I love a bit of David Mamet. So yeah, I, I think it's extraordinary. And anything also with, with Jack Lemmon. Jack Lemmon. Yeah. Uh, also immediately goes goes up my personal rankings. Um, no, I think it's wonderful. Um, my my favourite Mamet though is State and Maine. Um, I don't know okay. if people have seen that, but um, it is... Is that one with William H. Macy? Um, yes, in a small role. It's a Philip mm. Seymour Hoffman romantic okay. lead movie though, That's which right. we didn't get too many of. So... So it gets some it gets bonus points for that. But again, both cases, incredible ensemble casts, incredible dialogue, in, just immensely quotable. Um, you know, the, the steak knives, the Cadillac, mm. you know, um, the fuck you, frankly. Yeah. Like it's an incredible, <laughs> incredible movie. Yeah. 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 I, there's there's also footage on YouTube of um Al Pacino playing the Jack Lemon part live on stage. Oh, on yes, of course he, he did it on Broadway a few years yeah, ago. Yeah, which again is fascinating because going from you know the brash and the the cocky Ricky Roma to being like like the Jack Lemon Shelley that's like you know again fighting for his daughter and oh, it's, mm. it's heartbreaking but it's amazing. It's Who played his role um uh, on Broadway, who who played the Al Pacino? Um, oh, what's his name? Is that is that guy that always? Play, he's in like gangster movies and. Oh God! Uh, it, it's going to annoy me now as well. We're going to have to look it up. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> I can see his face. Is it Bobby Cannavale? Oh, might be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would I make think sense. It was, I think it was him that played the, oh, right, okay. the Ricky Roma part. I think, but um, but yeah, it's fantastic. Uh, okay. Uh, Helen, your number eight, please. My number eight. Okay, so I was trying to think my way through film history and make sure I wasn't like forgetting anybody. And so I did think about silent movies and I decided to put in The General, uh, the Buster Keaton uh, film. The General of the title is a train that he really, really loves. Um, and it is one of the funniest films I've ever seen. It's, a, it's an astonishingly funny film. It, it is problematic because he is, uh, it's basically set during the US Civil War and he is a Confederate. So like, you know, when he kind of like, spoiler, like it's a happy ending for him and like he does something quote unquote good to help out his his side. But you're a bit like, oh, I am conflicted about this happy ending because I don't want your side to win. Oh no. <laughs> um, but at the same time, it's Buster Keaton at his absolute finest. Uh, it is just a beautiful performance incredible physical comedy obviously but also just incredible comedy and and the scale of the filmmaking is off the charts you know you've got them crashing actual trains off actual bridges mm. because what else are you going to do you know to get the effect you need so i loved it i love it um so yes problematic i'm apologizing for that right now i'm flagging that up right now but even with that it's still my number eight Mm. I always see films like that and I always get the feeling that, that um, health and safety wasn't a thing back in those days. No, very what, much not. When well, you if look you at watch... Keystone Cops and things like that, the way that they're tumbling around, you think they're not on yeah. wires or they're not stuntmen. They just they just grab them and they're just chucking them off of cars and buildings. <laughs> and Yeah, they well, if you've seen The Fall, um, the Tarsem Singh movie um, with Lee Pace as a stuntman who has been gravely injured 
basically making these movies. And it finishes with this kind of reel of stuntmen of the of the period oh, really? doing those mm. crazy things. Um, and it's astonishing. Yeah, I've been um, interviewing some stuntmen recently, stunt persons, stunt performers. And um, what they do is is just mind-blowing, absolutely yeah. mind-blowing. Even yeah. now it's mind-blowing, never mind back then. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna have to watch. I'm gonna have to watch that one. I've never. I've just no, I don't. Put it I've on never the IMDb, and some of the clips in the trailer are frightening. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's just like people just falling off of stairs and stuff, and it's yeah, it's crazy, absolutely. Yeah, crazy. I'm gonna have to watch that one. But I've I'll never put, seen I'll, it. I will put the is... trailer on the video playlist for our Patreon fans, and you can see <laughs> just the sort of stuff that Buster Keaton puts himself through. That's crazy. Okay, then, Neil, your number eight, please. So, talk about perfect movies. This is a perfect movie to me, hence in my top ten. Um, I was actually in London when they were filming this back in 80, I think it was, or 81. It's American Wealth in London. Um, so, I was only a young kid. I knew nothing about what was going on in front of me, but knew the t- sort of the title when it came out, and hence was told about it and always desperately wanted to see it. Saw it probably too young but frightened myself to death watching it so i didn't see it again for subsequently for a few more years and then fell in love with it uh, i think it's just the perfect combination of horror comedy and heart it's got a lot of heart and uh, i love everybody in it uh they're all great and a young rick mail let's uh give a yeah. shout out to rick mail sat in the <laughs> pub there yeah. but yeah everything about it it's just um just a joy and it's a, it's a 90 minutes of, of of a roller coaster of emotions of joys and it's always nice to see a 90 minute movie now isn't it <laughs> <laughs> that was sort of kevin turvey era of rick mail wasn't it just wasn't it oh, yeah it was just, about... just before he came out and did that yeah 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 i can't so, remember what show that used to be on was it the kick of uh, or something like that Something like that on Something Channel like Four, that, wasn't it? Know. Yeah, showing our age. Young. Now. Yeah, yeah, sorry, I, I don't. Know. <laughs> I'm, I'm, yeah, nodding, so... I'm nodding my head gamely, but I don't. Know. <laughs> so I was fascinated with this movie anyway to begin with, and like I said, it I ruined it for myself watching it too. I was allowed to watch it too young, scared, and then wouldn't go back to it. And then subsequently, I think I've watched it every year since. Mm-hmm. I love it, and I love introducing it. So I've just introduced it recently to my daughter. And she watched it and was falling in love. Three. She is twenty two. She's twenty two. <laughs> yeah, she's three. Uh, My son, not so much. He didn't. He just like. Mm. But even the effects, the Rick Baker effects, we forget. I must mention those are just still hold up so yeah. well today. And, and you know, I love a practical effect over a CGI effect. I really do. Um, and I just think it's marvelous. And I don't think there's ever been a werewolf change as good still today. Yeah. Yeah. Helen, thoughts? Yeah. Um, again, I, I admire rather than probably love. I think mm. I saw it a bit too late in my life. And I think I suffered from not fancying uh, Jenny Agutter uh, as right. much as, you know, most mm. of the, the male population does. So, uh, well, <laughs> so maybe is. I don't have that visceral co- connection, you know, mm. that I know a lot of men uh, have. But um, but no, it's it's a phenomenal. And those effects are, are astonishing. I think it's, it's that great kind of... Um, it's that great kind of contradiction almost of effects work that mm. that kind of physical special effect, if done well, may not be a hundred percent convincing, but it stays then at that level of convincing. Yes. Whereas, you know, visual effects done as well as you can at that time risk sliding over the years, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's a real, um, it's a really tough call, I think for a lot of filmmakers. 
Mm. And I always find it amazing that David Norton didn't get sort of any sort of fame Mm. from it because I think he's so good in that movie. So good, you know, but he sort of vanished. I know he did a couple of like sort of Porky-esque sort of films afterwards or whatever he did, um, but he sort of vanished, didn't he? I don't... Which, yeah. 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 Yeah, it's a shame. Mm. There you go. Okay, uh, my number eight uh, is another Jack Lemmon film. Uh, hey! It's uh, Some Like It Hot. Oh, I think it's one of the greatest comedies. I think in our top ten comedies it was it was high in yeah, our, it was uh, comedy high. movies. Um, I've never got tired of of watching this. We say about Jenny Agatha, I think Marilyn Monroe looks about mm-hmm. as gorgeous and beautiful as she ever did in any movie uh, in this one. Um, and uh, Tony Curtis and Jack Lemmon together are just I mean, fantastic. Yeah. And I've always said whenever we talked about this, it's amazing that they've never remade this movie. You know, they've never done a, like a, a remake of it. But I am so glad that they haven't. Mm. Because I feel it was like lightning in a bottle and I feel that, that there's no way, because I think I've said it before, I think there was a rumour year, well, this is going back decades, that David Bowie and Mick Jagger were supposed to do a, a remake of it. And I don't think that would have really worked. That would have been a very different energy. I mean, yeah. you know, if, if you're mm. going to remake it, you almost would have to do something that weird, wouldn't you? You would have to, yeah. Just to, Yeah. And yeah. I would hope that they got the person who directed the dance in the street video to do that. <laughs> <laughs> the that would be, wouldn't that be, That'd be great? amazing? Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> yeah, but I—I I mean, it's a—it's for me, it's a, a one of my favourite black and white movies. Just um, one of my favourite, obviously one of my favourite mm. movies. I think it's the highest one in my top ten that's black and white. Yeah, it is. Uh, but yeah, I don't know what you guys think. I mean, I'm assuming that I'm the same as you. Fans. It could easily tomorrow be in my top ten. Mm. And it could easily be out of it. I, yeah, it's a perfect movie, isn't it? It's perfect comedy. Like you said, it's hilarious. And the mm. chemistry between the three leads is just amazing. Great script, great direction. Yeah. Perfect. Helen? Yeah, I, I adore it. I have gone for something very similar, which we'll talk about uh, in a little bit. But um, but I absolutely adore it. I'm a huge Marilyn Monroe fan, and she is unbelievable. I mean, she was going through... That was at the point where her personal life was really really going off a cliff you know her marriage mm. to uh, Arthur Miller was breaking down she suffered a miscarriage I think during filming or just before um she was really going through it emotionally um and and yet she did that you know on screen and uh, you know Billy Wilder so, some people on that film said unkind things about her during the years you know there was the famous Tony Curtis quote which he later disowned about it was like kissing Hitler mm. um uh, Billy Wilder, you know, talked about the fact that it took sort of 50 takes for her to say pass the bourbon. But the thing is, if you watch the bourbon scene, she is off the charts brilliant in it. She yeah. is unbelievable. So when he got that 50th take, you know, it was it was magnificent. And um, and yeah, that's what we now have. So yes, it may be difficult, Billy, but Jesus, it was worth it. So yeah, yeah I, I adore it. It's it's flawless. I watch it a lot. I can recite whole scenes. Um, magnificent. Yeah, I've not seen Blonde yet, um, mm. but have you seen it, Helen? I'm I have. Yeah. Have. And what did you think of it? Because I saw a lot of people was really coming down hard on it. I um, I'm very conflicted. I think Blonde is immensely unfair to Marilyn Monroe because she was a, a huge talent, and she was. It was not entirely a native talent. It was something she worked really hard on, and she um, she learned, you know, and she she 
put effort into it. She learned how to be a star. She learned how to pop off the screen. She learned how to explode out of photos and just look like the most incredible person you'd ever seen in your life. Yeah. Um, and the and the movie treats all that like it was native to her and just something that was there. And and I think that's entirely unfair. So mm. I don't think it gives her nearly enough credit. Um, but I think it's a fascinating film in its own right. And I think it is I'm I'm so thrilled that any director was given the license and the the budget to make something so completely barmy in this very sort of algorithmic age. I think mm. it's I'm so glad it exists, even if I have issues with a lot of the way it treats Marilyn herself. So you'd recommend it? Yes, with that caveat that it's really fucking weird. I mean, right. it's he's basically what he's done is he he bases scenes in the film around still photos from her life. So it will change aspect ratio. It will change from black and white to color and back again and back again and back again. Um, because he doesn't care about consistency, he just wants to recreate these iconic images of Marilyn oh, right. and use those as the basis of his film. So that in itself is uh, an audacious and a mad idea. Mm. And then it's a it's a pretty audacious and a mad story on top of that. So So yeah, you do have to have a certain amount of tolerance i think to go into it and and if you are like me a diehard Marilyn fan there are things that are going to make you grind your teeth right but at the same time i mean anna de armas unbelievable unbelievable in it okay that's so something to, watch to give it a go over, something to watch over the holidays definitely okay uh helen your number seven then please my number seven this is one of my personal favorite films now when i'm asked what is your favorite film this is one of my answers along with something like the princess bride which i adore but will admit is not 100 percent perfect and that's what i'm kind of going for with this list um but numbers my number seven is cyrano de bergerac this is the uh, not the 50s version it has its defenders not uh last year's musical which i had issues with um but the 1990s version with um, Jean-Paul Rapineau directing and the extremely problematic Gerard Depardieu starring. Um, I'm not here to defend him. I'm here to defend the film. The film is beautiful. It's wildly romantic. Uh, it has an incredible score. It has beautiful, these huge silken gowns and stuff in the costumes. Um, and it is absolutely unashamedly, melodramatically a romance um mm -hmm. and i love it uh, and the poetry of it is is kind of doggerel it's kind of you know rhyming couplets which wasn't even fashionable when it was written never mind nowadays but um but the subtitles actually the translation of this particular film into english was a great translation i think it was anthony burgess or somebody did it great translation but it, like it's nonsense but i love it it's about a, a man with a giant nose who falls in love with a beautiful woman and doesn't know how to tell her so he helps his handsome friend tell her instead but it, uh, I love it. Yeah, yeah I've never seen that version. I must oh. admit, but it's um, it's because the the one that came out with um, the one that Peter like, Dinklage, Peter Dinklage, that seemed to get mixed reviews as well. Because yeah. there was some people that were really saying that this is Oscar. He's going to you know get an Oscar nomination for it, and some were saying that it was just like terrible. So again, I mean, as a fan of. Serrano de Bergerac. What did you mm. think? I, I I liked aspects of it. I thought it, I thought he's I, I think he's a phenomenal actor. I think yeah. he's great. Um, uh, he's not a great singer, but he was good enough to carry the tunes. You know, which is all, all maybe you need mm. sometimes. My issues with it, uh, I am very attached, as I say, to the play and to this film, and even to uh, you know an Americanized version like Roxanne. Mm. 
it left out two of my favorite lines oh, and really? and I, I couldn't quite forgive it so that's honestly one of my big issues with the film but also the music didn't pop for me brilliantly I, I liked it but I didn't love it mm. um so yeah it's it's good it's a good film it's it's just not Cyrano de Bergerac how many times have you seen it on stage Helen um only once in person actually i haven't haven't seen a lot on stage um i saw the james mcavoy one which was kind of modernized um Mm. kind of rap battles rather than poetry battles um that also left out one of my favorite lines and changed the ending in a way that i wasn't happy with (laughs) i'm very protective basically i have very strong feelings on this so have you can borrow my vhs of it i've still got it Oh, well, I haven't got a video to play oh. on. You know. oh. I mean, you know, we, we've moved on now, mate. I know. I'm so, I found all my VHSs and there it was on the top. It just oh, right. brought it straight to memory. I thought, oh, Boom. wow. Oh, but I haven't enough. got a VHS to watch it either. So. Great, great film and great score as well. If people haven't heard mm. the score. Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful score. Wonderful. Uh, Neil, your number seven, please. Um, so it's, I'm going to say it's Tarantino's debut. It's Reservoir Dogs. Um, it was a breath of fresh air when this came in. I can still listen to the quotable dialogue now the the realistic dialogue of it um again it's a short movie isn't it it's a mm. 90 minute movie i mean sometimes i wish tarantino would le- yeah, learn to use the edit button on certain movies but you know um it was refreshing it, i still find it refreshing but i think i find the excitement because I, I was one of the people lucky enough to see it on its first run when nobody knew about it and I was I was singing praises. And me and my friend literally went three times in a week to go and see it because it was just blew me away. And I still find it as visceral. Uh, no, I still find it as engaging with the conversation and everything. It's just, yeah, I love it. I love it. I really do. And I, I still think it might be Tarantino's best film. Um, I, I agree with you. I actually, I'm, the only one that I actually loved as much is is once upon a time in hollywood which i know is the uncool answer but like i thought that was i thought that was Mm. great and um but yeah i think reservoir dogs is is fantastic yeah Mm. it really is i mean the more i watch it more again after seeing you know the things like django and kill bill and all that and i go back and i think i wish you'd do another one like this again somewhere along the line not the same but you know with that sort of style and dialogue and i think maybe hateful eight was an attempt to a degree it was but i just thought i I love hateful eight i didn't Mm. love it when i first watched it bizarrely but i'm now falling in love with it it's it's a stage play isn't it on the screen yeah yeah which is basically reservoir dogs i suppose yeah i I can't believe i haven't got a tarantino movie in my top 10 but the trouble is i was thinking which one and it seemed like each one cancelled out the other Mm. So that I can, I could have ended up with five Tarantino movies in my top ten, and I've ended up with none, which doesn't make any sense whatsoever. But gonna... I don't think I can actually pick which one because I love I, what I love about something like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is the fact that it is sometimes so slow mm. that you just get engulfed in the world that he's created, even though it's a real world and it's a world that that actually existed as opposed to something that he's made up. But this and hateful eight is another one. Mm. Like there's so many people that I know that go, God, it's so long, and nothing happens for like ages. And I goes, but that's what's so beautiful about it, because every time with Tarantino, if someone is leaving a room or mm. entering a room, you think they're going to get killed, they're going to get shot in the head, they get something bad is going to happen. That that whole scene, I know it's spoilers, but in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, when Brad Pitt goes to the ranch. 
Oh, yeah. Every time you think, don't go up to that house, Brad. Don't go into oh, yeah. that room <laughs> yeah. because something's going to happen to you. Something bad's going to happen. So you're on the edge of your seat and in the end, nothing happens. No. And you think, oh, geez, I can't take another half hour of this. But that's that's his gift. But mm. I also love his more the, the, the visceral ones and the more short, sharp shock ones like Kill Bill and stuff like that. And mm. I couldn't pick one. I just couldn't pick one. Um, but I completely agree with you, Neil. The but it also, I mean, I must give a shout out on this as well to the soundtrack. It was the first of those songs, oh, yeah. you know, bringing in cool songs that you've probably forgotten or hadn't heard before and made a yeah. soundtrack that just, yeah, people have mimicked forever since, yeah. you know, copied. But I was quickly going to ask Helen, have you read the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood book? Yeah. Mm. And what did you think of that? Oh, I hated it. Really? It, it, wow. I had to go back and watch the film and make sure the film was good. Oh, right. yeah. I quite, I really, I sort of thought it opened up the universe a little bit more. I enjoyed no, it. The, the, the opening up was interesting, but I just find it, I, I, at first I thought he was, I'll be honest, I thought it was bad writing. And at first I thought it was deliberate, like he was going for a Pulp Fiction kind of a feel. Mm. And then when you get into these lengthy digressions about, you know, films he's either made up or films that exist and he's seen and he's just he just thinks deserve a wider audience so he's talking about at length you're like oh no it's just it's just that's what Tarantino <laughs> wants to write you know mm. so it, it kind of um it, yeah I, I I really struggled with it I really right. I really didn't love it yeah okay I'm halfway through the audiobook um I listened to it at work and oh cool uh, that might be a better way to do it to be honest because I think then maybe more of the personality would come across yeah maybe Jennifer, who's doing the Jennifer Jason Lee does okay. the uh, does the narration okay. so it is it is interesting it is interesting mm. but uh, yeah okay uh, my right. number seven uh, there are so many versions of this movie and I feel it's a movie that was way before it's time uh, Blade Runner is my oh, uh, yeah. my number seven I'm going to go for the final cut because I feel that it's the it's the definitive version I think and it's the version that gets rid of all those little moments that you know, lip syncing and and male stuntmen crashing through uh, glass and stuff. That just those little moments that you think, oh, I wish they just changed that. Mm. And it's but as a, as a movie, I think the special effects were sort of way ahead of their time, mm. which again still hold out now. Mm. The Vangelis soundtrack is just breathtaking. I'm Ridley beautiful. Scott at the top of his game. Mm. Um, and every single person in the in the in the cast, Harrison Ford is fantastic. Daryl Hannah is fantastic. Mm. Rutger Hauer, uh, oh my god, the whole tears in, tears in rain <laughs> is yeah. just fantastic. And um, Neil, I'm surprised. Well, either that or it's it was, one. No, I'm no, no, no. I will 10. say it was in there yesterday. Well, no, you know, probably in there yesterday. Probably in there last week. It's been in and out. It's another one. It'll <laughs> yeah. easily be in my top 20. number eleven. Number eleven, yeah, yes. easily. Yes. But there's so many of these movies. Yeah. Yeah, it's not. It's not, it's not worry. <laughs> what I what I think is extraordinary about Blade Runner is um, the fact that every single science fiction movie since has had to reckon with it. So there are the ones that kind of mimic its aesthetic to some degree, and there are the ones that set themselves in opposition to it and try to go in completely the other direction. But nobody can ignore it. No, it feels like no one since has ignored it, and and maybe you know you could maybe say, well, actually that's true of Alien and and you know Blade Runner is just building on that, and, and yes, we can have that discussion, but I'm not going to. We're going to talk about Blade Runner, um, but but I think that is extraordinary, and it's testament to all those elements, and and you know the the just the way it looks is is off the mm. charts, mm. off the charts, great. 
Yeah, and we're three years past the the time. And um, yes, we've got the rain, but we haven't got the flying cars. What the fuck is and going on? What the on? hell, man? Yeah. Come on, <laughs> three years. I mean, three years, and we're still nowhere near. We're nowhere near flying cars. Um, have we got the replicants then? I mean, I don't know. I mean, you can we get. Might have. Let's say no. Who knows? Well, I, yeah. I always had a bit of a problem with that. Like, and I have the same issue with Battlestar Galactic, which I also adore. Come on, guys! If they're that much stronger than humans, and they they have, you know all of these different capabilities um there's there's another way to tell apart from the void camp test they're like yeah. there is you're maybe not using it but there definitely is another way to do this so uh, plot anyway. hole plot, plot hole. hole yeah come on there you go um okay then helen you're number six then please my number six is a matter of life and death. Um, because again, I was kind of trying to think through, okay, am I being unfair to the sort of the canon and not giving them due weight and just going for my favorites? Like, obviously the temptation to put in an Avengers movie is strong, but I resisted. Um, spoiler. But um, <laughs> but I, I, you know, I so I kind of looked at a few other top 10s, top 100, 100s and stuff, and, and this one leapt out at me as like, Oh, actually, that is an astonishing film. This is the Pelham Pressburger film um, from, was it during the war or just after the war? Just after the war, um, about a British airman who is shot down and or he isn't shot down and killed. He's due to be shot down and killed, um, but somehow weirdly survives and has this affair or has this love affair over the radio with this radio operator who he's talking to as he's, you know, flying to his death. And basically gets hauled up to heaven to say, well, I'm sorry, you're, you're, you're dead. Actually, you're supposed to be dead. And he's like, well, this isn't fair. I've just fallen in love. And so there's a sort of trial element of this guy fighting for his life to be with this woman he's just fallen in love with. Um, but it's, it's, it's a brilliant film. It's, um, it's visually astonishing. It has these incredible technicolor visions of, of heaven, uh, which have been wildly influential since on everything from the Big Lebowski to Bill and Ted. Mm. Um, and, and it's impeccably sort of, a weird mix of British stiff upper lip war drama and this magical, not even magical realist, this full on magical fantasy vision of the afterlife. And, um, and I just think it's, it's beautiful. Mm. Absolutely beautiful. See, I've heard the name of that movie, but I had no idea what it was about. Mm. And you just did your job there, Helen, because it makes me <laughs> want to watch, it makes me want to watch the movie. So I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to. David Niven, isn't it? It's David, David Niven. Niven yeah. yeah. And Kim Hunter. Yeah. yeah. It's, That's it's, right. It's gorgeous, but I feel like any Palin Pressburger movie, you're generally onto a winner. Like it's still going to be vital and exciting and interesting and and a, a beautiful human story, but with a lot of scope and scale and visual dazzle as well. Like they are just some of the greatest who ever lived. And um, but I think this is their masterpiece. Other like people will disagree with me and talk about Black Narcissus and Red Shoes and all the rest, but um, but I think this is a beautiful film. Okay. Do you know if it's on any streaming services at all? Um, I, I know it's, I'm pretty sure it's on the BFI player. I don't know which right. other ones it's on the moment. I mean, most things can be found on Amazon for a yeah. couple of quid, you know? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Uh, th this is definitely worth the price of a coffee if, if it is there. So, yeah. Okay. Another one to add to the list. Uh, sorry, sorry. No, no, no. Don't apologise. Don't apologise. Okay, Neil, your number six, please. So this, my number six would probably easily fit in the same uh, shoe as um, Helen's number six. Um, it's apt that we're doing the Christmas uh, um, special or the Christmas episode. It's a wonderful life. Oh, brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah, I just, honestly, every year this will be watched on Christmas Eve by me, Hopefully the rest of the family, but usually by me. <laughs> <laughs> 
I can't get enough of it. And it's it's a it, I think it's a beautiful, beautiful tale, beautiful story. Yeah. Relevant now as it was then. Um, and I wish more people would watch it. And I've heard tell recently that they're talking of remaking it. No. Uh-uh. No. No. I mean, they no. have a million times. If, yeah. if you watch as many Christmas movies as I do, they have remade it a yeah. lot. Yeah. Um, but never its equal. No. Yeah, no. yeah. I'm, I'm with but, you. It's the same year as um, Matter of Life and Death, actually. There oh, we are. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, it's just a. Uh, th- we talk of perfect movies. It's another perfect movie. And it was a flop um, when it when it um, was released, yes. wasn't it? It, it was, was a, but then it did get a t- it did build up attention over time. Like mm. I think it I think it got a couple of Oscar nods that year. So it didn't it didn't entirely you know. A bit of a short shank of its time. Yeah, I think that's a good comparison. Yeah, mm. very much so. No, I, I'm with you. I think it's. I think it's a magnificent film. I think it's Frank Capra's mm. best, um, probably. I'll have to think about that. Um, and um, I think what makes it work and what makes it stand out from a lot of Christmas movies, not all, but a lot, is that it has real um, tragedy and pathos and. Mm sadness and darkness in its mm. first half so when you get the big sort of explosion of christmasiness at the end it isn't saccharine it isn't too much it isn't overdone it's just what you need after watching yeah. a man give up on his dreams for two hours straight yeah to, to do the right thing and to try and help other people it's it's a wonderful film absolutely it's a yeah. wonderful life it, indeed and i'll it tell is. you I've, i don't know how many times i've seen this i probably watch it a couple of times every christmas because mm. it just mm. gets you every time it is. but that moment that mr gower smacks george the young george bailey across the ear at the, near oh, the start yeah. i flinch every time and i know it's coming i know mm. it's coming but that is, a, that is a hell of a wallop that yeah, he gives that young george bailey i mean it's great no wonder his ears bleeding um but yeah it's absolutely it is. It's the, just the magical, greatest. isn't it? It, it is. I mean, to be fair, I could watch it any time of the year, but I do tend to bring it out on Christmas Eve evening. Mm. Right. And That's the uh, tradition, is it? Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. just, I don't feel Christmas has started for me until I've seen that movie. Yeah. Same. Yeah. It, it tends to go on in our house at some point on Christmas Eve. I'm also seeing it in the cinema this year. Why? Um, as well, just to just to double up, just to make sure. Yeah. yeah. And we, we have spoken about it, obviously, on our, oh, it was this time last year with our top 10 Christmas mm-hmm. movies. And, and I, I know that our listeners are now going, Pav, go on, do it do it so hello movie house I've got to do it. every time we talk <laughs> about oh you building and loan <laughs> yes. that's the one. Oh, it's fantastic anyway uh my number six uh maybe it's higher in your tables i don't know but uh i you have to have jaws uh as one of the greatest movies ever made well that's my number five Perf. that's your number five yeah okay um and I don't think there's really anything else you can say about Jaws mm. that hasn't already been said and written about and spoken about on various other mediums and mm. of whatever. It is, for me, a perfect movie. Mm-hmm. I don't think, I, I'm trying to think if there's any parts of it where I would go, yeah, well, that bit is maybe, or that's the bit was a bit slow. I think it's perfectly directed. I think it's uh, considering what Steven Spielberg, Spielberg was up against making that movie, mm. the fact that he made a masterpiece um, out of something that probably almost broke him, I think, mm. is just amazing. Yeah, um, but I don't think again, he'd have had the. I was going to say I don't think he'd have had the movie that we've got if he hadn't have had those problems mm. and you know hence like not seeing the shark for yeah. so long it yeah. just builds doesn't it because you know if it. that movie was being made today it would be a cgi shark 
it would be well i mean look at i mean we've seen the meg you know exactly. we've seen What's wrong with the meg? hey but, nothing <laughs> is wrong with the meg but that's exactly what jaws would have been if mm. it was being made today it would yeah. have been a 100 foot shark it and it would have been you'd looked at it and gone oh okay it's a cgi shark whereas that is yeah 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 it's like michael myers it's like you know it's like you only see a little bit glimpse of him and it is horrendous when you see him and you think god what is he going to do mm-hmm. so it's, it, yeah. it's also like the two movies isn't it you've got the start bit with the jaws attacks and the shark attacks and everything going on on the beach and all of that and then you've got the next part the next act with the three of them on the boat out yeah Mm. and catching it and that's as much of a joy to watch just the three of those interacting oh my god robert, yeah. robert shaw oh, i mean magnificent yeah. Yeah. i mean i always think it always reminds me and i must watch it again man for all seasons helen robert oh and, uh, lovely, yeah so good isn't he so good ah oh, so good uh, he's just magnificent i i don't have this in my top 10 because spoiler i, I went for another spielberg and again i could make an entire list of, mm. of spielberg movies and frequently do but um but I'm a huge fan of this. I, I saw the stage show, um, The Shark is Broken, yeah. um, uh, last year. I saw. I went to uh, Martha's Vineyard where they shot and I did the Jaws tour around oh, the island. Really? And I even hired a little bike and I, I cycled across the island to the place where they built Quint Shack for the, the shot where they're leaving the harbour. Mm. Um, uh, which, <laughs> they, unfortunately, they basically, they built it without planning permission to keep it up um because they didn't build the they didn't they weren't allowed to dig proper foundations so they could only build it and then immediately demolish it and then i think the authorities on martha's vineyard have been kicking themselves ever since that they tore down this tourist trap (laughs) (laughs) immediately after filming um but yeah but I, i went and saw basically like you know Chief Brody's office and and the mm. coroner's office and the shop where they go to buy the the stuff to build the signs and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I, it's it's an incredible film. It's an absolutely yeah. incredible film. I love it. Yeah, absolutely. Anything else to say about it, Neil? What else is there? Just to say, if you've never seen it, what the hell are you playing at? I know. Yeah. Come on, guys. Come on. Yeah, yeah. And I can always remember I had a scratched retina because of this movie. Um, myself oh, and no. my co- yeah, myself and my cousin were watching it. And uh, the moment when, I can't remember the name of the guy, is it Ben, someone's, when his head pops out under mm. the under the boat, um, we both sort of went behind this cushion and she sort of grabbed and went to go and grab the cushion and her finger went straight into my oh. eye. Oh. And every, I don't know whether it's just my mind, but every time I see that scene, my eye tingles. So it's weird. I don't know whether it's a subconscious thing or whether it is a physical thing that my eye remembers when it sees it. I don't know. That's that's complete. Well, we have to ask Helen the question, is Jaws a horror or a thriller? Oh, boy. Um, I mean, first of all, I don't care. Um, but secondly, <laughs> I, I, if I, if you put a gun to my head, I'd, I'd probably call it a thriller. Right. I'll right. be honest. But I, I mean, yeah, if you, if, you know, if people want to claim it's a horror, I'm not going to argue. It's the same like, Die Hard, a Christmas movie, yes, but also I don't care. It's still yeah, Die Hard, so exactly, it gets to go yeah. home with that at night. So who needs it to be a Christmas movie? Mm. Why do you care so much? You have not found a loophole in Christmas, guys. It's no. just, it's a Christmas movie. Okay, yeah. let's move on. Uh, oh, there you go, Neil. You were told then. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean it towards <laughs> no, you. No, no, I just no, meant in general, <laughs> guys, you know. Come previous on. Previous podcasts, it was a question we genuinely yeah. asked. It was, absolutely Every it guest. was. Yeah. 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 yeah, indeed it was. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you 
everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Uh, right then, Helen, your number five then, please. My number five is, uh, this had to be here, Singing in the Rain. Um, again, a perfect film. Um, I think it is the epitome and the, the pinnacle of the mu- movie musical. It was written for movies, unlike a lot of mu- musicals. Um, and, and you can kind of tell. And it is particularly three performers at the height of their parts, particularly those core three. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, even the surrounding cast are, are off the chart. Lena Lamont, my God. Mm-hmm. Um she is she is one of the great comic comic creations, but you know Gene Kelly at his most handsome and talented, um, Donald O'Connor literally running up walls for our amusement, and and that music, uh, mm. just yeah, magnificent. Uh, such a burst I, of color as well. Mm. That movie is just fantastic. I actually stumbled across it again. It was on BBC Four literally a week or two ago, and it just started. So it was a pure bliss to sit down and watch it all again mm-hmm. nice little surprise it's a great movie isn't it 
Yeah. It is. And it was always one of those staples. It was always one that like, was part of a joke about Christmas, wasn't it? Oh, you got to watch Singing in the Rain and yeah. Wizard of Oz mm. and Sound yeah. of Music. Yeah. you got to watch all those. It's like The Great Escape was always on Easter exactly. for some reason. Like, I don't mm. know what's Eastery about The Great Escape, yeah. but somehow <laughs> Easter bank holiday is always on TV. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that is, a, that is a great one. It's not in my top ten, obviously. But, no, uh, no, no, no. But I would, I, would, I, I mean, I, I just love Gene Kelly. There's just mm. something about that guy. He was like, I think I've said this before when we spoke about top 10 musicals. He looks like the guy next door because he's, quite, he's quite short. He's not, he, mm. you know, but when he moves, he's sort of like, it's just, it, 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 he was completely different to someone like Fred Astaire. Fred Astaire seemed to look very elegant when he danced. Whereas Gene Kelly seemed to be very, I don't want to say that it's sort of like normal because what he did wasn't normal. But he just made it look effortless. But he, he didn't seem to have yeah. the same kind of grace that mm. Fred Astaire had. Maybe because he was a little bit shorter. I don't know. I don't know about I don't know about guy next door because I have never lived next door to somebody that handsome. <laughs> like he <laughs> was true. off the charts handsome. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. but I get what you mean about like he he just seemed to like move naturally into dance from just playing tennis or something. Yeah. Like he just like he seemed like mm. a guy's guy who was just walking down the street and then suddenly this would happen. Yeah. Whereas Fred Astaire always seemed like he was about to start dancing. Yeah. hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. Uh right then Neil, your number five was Jaws. It was. Uh my number five is a movie that again I think I've spoken to it about so many times uh on various podcasts and it's Field of Dreams. Oh. Um mm. there's there's perfect movie again, perfect movie um mm. We're saying that long more than we say I, iconic now, Neil. Yeah, uh, as as a perfect movie, but Kevin Costner at the absolute top of his game uh, in one of the sweetest um, batshit crazy storylines that you know. You know, I've told it so many times. You've got to see Field of Dreams. What's it about? Well, these dead baseball players come back to this um, Iowa uh, cornfield. Well, that sounds crap. Oh no, it isn't. It's amazing. The music <laughs> is fantastic. It's just. I, I, it doesn't fit. I mean, it was what is it? 80, 87, 88, maybe? Yeah, some like late that. 80s, late 80s. It doesn't 90s. feel like it's an 80s movie. It feels like it's timeless. It feels like it's a almost Capra esque, if you like. It just doesn't mm-hmm. feel like it's set in a particular decade. Mm. Um, I think it, it definitely has aged really well. I mean, Costner obviously looks. 15 in it compared to what he looks like now in his Yellowstone sort of guise and that with his gruff voice but um and I always loved his hair I've said it before I think his hair is fantastic in that movie <laughs> I don't know I've got a thing about hair because I haven't got any I just <laughs> there is something about his hair in that movie it is absolutely gorgeous it is good hair it is good it hair is good. I, I, I yeah it's it's a beautiful movie I, I think it's a great father-son story and I oh. I tend to sometimes bristle at the endless father complexes in movies like every single tom cruise movie of the 80s i think had father complex yeah um and and he played it in so many different ways and they're all brilliant but like come on tom you know thank god you've moved on um and so i sometimes get a little bit tired because there are very few mother-daughter films of the same power and the same they're given the same kind of support by by the studios in history. So, you know, sometimes I get cross. Having said that, this I think is one of those really moving ones. This is one where it it speaks of a kind of universal love and longing and loss um for your loved ones. And um mm. that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. And it's magical. It's literally mm. magical as well. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Burt Lancaster in there oh, as uh, Archibald Moon. James Earl Jones. James. Yeah, James. Oh. Yeah. 
Okay. Uh, Helen, your number four, please. My number four. Um, again, I was kind of thinking, what if I, I was trying to think of, you know, genres and, and, and art forms that I hadn't thought enough about. So silent film had to be in there. Animation had to be in there. And I could have gone for a lot of animation, but I've just gone for Spirited Away. There we go. Oh, um, yeah. It could have been my neighbor Totoro. Even if I, mm. even once I, I thought it's probably a Miyazaki. That didn't narrow it down that much. But, um, but Spirited Away, I think, has the scope and the scale. Um, it has the ambition. It has uh, mythological roots. Uh, it has flights of wild fancy, fancy, unlike anything you'd seen before. It has suit sprites. It has dragons. I'm a huge dragon fan. You guys, you can see a couple of dragons <laughs> on, the, on the shelf behind me here. Um, I, I just think it's um, it's beautiful and weird and uh, doesn't make any sense, you know, a lot of the time to, to ignorant Westerners like myself who didn't know a lot about Japanese mythology going into this. But, um, but the more you learn about the film, the more you unpack the layers, the more you delve into it. I mean, even, even on the surface, it, it's a great story about a spoiled little girl sort of learning to fend for herself, learning to cope with a new place, becoming a bit more independent, kind of a coming of age story to some degree. Um, but as you unpack all the layers under that, I think it just gets richer and richer and deeper and deeper. Mm. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're a fan of that, Neil, aren't you? Oh, I, I still am. haven't yeah, seen I've it. Spoken I, to I hold my hands up and say, I've yeah, spoken, <gasps> spoken about I it know. before. Put it on the list. I will put it on the list. It's on yeah, there. It's, it's on there. It's on. There. I've always classed that as my favourite of the studio's mm. animation, and I think it's one of the most accessible as well. Um, yeah, yeah. To be fair, anybody that I've lent it to, or did lend it to until I lost it. Um, there you go yeah. don't lend your like name like shame. <laughs> shall I name and shame I want my DVD back please um, yeah they've all all said the same you know they've managed to watch it and finish it and yeah really enjoy it so you need to watch it Pav you need I to know. get yourself you really immersed in you this you said so it beautiful. months ago didn't you and I yeah. think because you said that was the most accessible one mm. um, yeah. so it's worth okay yeah it's on the list uh, go on then Neil you're number four so I had to put my all-time favourite horror in here. It would be wrong if I didn't. Um, I'm with Commode on this. It's uh, The Exorcist. I just think it's brilliant, brilliant, brilliant film. I love the book. Mm. Um, I made sure I've read that. Um, and it's such a close adaptation uh, of, of of it. I love the horror of it, the aspect that it's all psychological rather than in your face. I know there is horrific moments, but I wouldn't truly class them as scary moments mm. that you see, the horrific moments. It's the build, it's the the dread, the unknown, I think works a treat. I find the bit when he's in Iraq at the beginning, and Merrin, as scary as what you see in the house in Washington, mm. D.C., when that whole thing, when he discovers the statue of the demon that is there and that vision... Um, Oh, I just love it. I, I love never got that. I never because you said that years ago when we were talking about mm. The Exorcist, and I, I remember watching it. It took me a long time to watch it for the first time. Yeah, and I was waiting for like this really scary thing to happen at the start. It's the build. It's the and build. myself and my wife looked at each other and went, "Was that it?" It's <laughs> the hairs on the back of my neck go up every really? time that bit. Yeah, that whole bit. I just I, and he's staring at, and you get that awesome image of the two of them with his hat flapping back and silhouette oh it just creeps me for some reason well, might remind me of my trips to iraq <laughs> obviously <laughs> but are, you, are no. you a fan of that helen oh yeah i, I mean again I, I i admire it probably more than i full wholeheartedly love it um but i think it's an astonishing piece of filmmaking and so many images from it 
kind of stick with you. Some that you really wish wouldn't. Yeah. yeah. Um, but but just like uh, using cinema as a as a visual art form, like is is mm. really better. And, you know, sound and everything as well. It, it's kind of a complete a complete film in every sense. But but it's some of those visuals that really just kind of haunt you. Mm. And yeah. God only knows what it would have been like to have watched it in what seventy two, seventy three. Oh God, it? yeah. So, you know the th- the fact that it's still quite shocking now. Mm-hmm. Uh, how that must have been in 73 when it was out i mean i know your dad uh, my dad was a, a projectionist yeah. at our local cinema when it was here and uh yeah the saint john's ambulance were outside wow. as well as uh as well as um religious people telling people not to go in and see the film mm. and people were being carried out um and uh yeah being sick and stuff mm. like that I mean, I how much of that, that is art. true and how much of that is my dad telling me bullshit? I have no idea. But you see it on the, but I mean, documentary. You see, absolutely. That you, get, yeah. you absolutely. see it around yeah. the world that people were literally yeah. walking out, passing out, whatever they were yeah. doing. I mean, I never quite got the argument of religious people telling you not to go and see it when it's got a huge religious message in it. Absolutely. Yeah. If anything, it's it's yeah. pro-religion and yeah. saying, hey, if you get possessed, you're going to need a young priest and an old priest. So, there you, go. you know, better get friendly with them in advance just to shore up your insurance. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I nearly put repossessing because I think that's a great. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> <clears throat> Uh, yeah. and Linda Blair let's not forget oh my God, how, yeah. how great she was yeah. as the you know as Reagan there I think crazy Absolutely yeah crazy. it is um, okay my number four if you look in the dictionary uh, under the phrase do they do phrases in dictionaries I don't <laughs> know where it says perfect movie uh, you'll see a picture of Back to the Future I think that's oh, one of the yes. if not the uh, and again for a movie where there was so much because obviously Michael J. Fox wasn't the original Marty McFly. It was, <laughs> excuse me. Eric Stoltz. <laughs> That's it. I got it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, dear. yeah, Eric Stoltz. Uh, and he, they even filmed, didn't they? They filmed a lot yeah, of the Yeah, st- he started shooting, yeah. Yeah. Um, so a happy accident in that that regard that Michael J. Fox, you wouldn't think of anybody else to play Marty McFly now. Um It's one of those movies. And one thing that always gets me, I speak to people that aren't, big movie fans and the same as people think that um steven spielberg directed a star wars film people always think that steven spielberg directed back to the future and obviously yeah. his hand you know his, footprint, his fingerprints yeah. are all over yeah. back to the future uh production wise um it was a bob zemeckis movie yeah, it was, yeah. so i just think it's great i mean the other two movies in the in the trilogy are great but this is another one of those movies that they should never remake. No, absolutely not. Please no. don't no. ever remake. Maybe do a number four, but I can't see how you would do that now. But but don't ever remake Back to the Future. It mm. is a perfect slice of the time. And it works that it's of that time. Yeah. The mm. whole time travel of it makes it that it doesn't feel like it's aged because it's set in 1985. It's supposed to be 1985. And then it will go backwards and forwards from that point. So for me... A classic, perfect movie. Yeah, I've got my... Um, my son's never seen it. My son's <gasps> 21 now and he's no. still never seen it. So I, I've said this Christmas we must sit and I've got the trilogy. We will watch the three movies. You're in for a treat. But yeah, it was one that was in and out again. It is flawless. I love it. I absolutely adore mm. it. I've seen it a lot. Um, I... I think it's great. I just, it just didn't quite make the ten. No, but it's it's 
Wonderful. No arguments. That's fair enough then. Uh, your number three then, please, Helen. My number three is In the Mood for Love. Um, oh. This is, again, probably one that, this is, I think, now the canon, actually. This is one of the ones that keeps coming up in best movies I've ever list. Um, but it is one of the most beautiful movies ever made, just beautiful, physically beautiful movies ever made. It's Wong Kar Wai directed. Um, it's uh, Tony Leung and Maggie Chung starring, who are two of the most beautiful people, you know, mm. ever to to appear on film. And Christopher Doyle cinematography. So these incredibly hyper-saturated, almost like acid bright colours, but it's kind of not over the top. It's still got darkness in it. It's basically about these two people who find out that their partners are having an affair with each other. And then they sort of are are trying to deal with this kind of together and help each other through this and are sort of falling in love, but are more honourable than their partners. So don't feel like they can just throw themselves into an affair, you know? Um, So it's kind of a brief encounter, kind of an energy, which is another great, great, great film. Um, Mm. But, but yeah, just, just achingly romantic. And, And like I say, incredible looking, incredible score as well. Just beautiful, beautiful, I think it was a Tam Dunn score. Um, but uh, but yeah, I, flawless. Absolutely, absolutely flawless film. And um, and I, ca- I couldn't get past it. A Michael Galasso score, I should be clear. Michael Galasso composed, okay. the, composed the score. Okay. Yeah. I must admit, when I was going through Google and looking at movies that I maybe might have missed, I saw this in nearly every list. Mm. And I've, I've yeah. never seen. I've never seen it. I've, I must admit, I've never seen it. But um, I saw it back. So it came out about two thousand. About two thousand, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I went to. Uh, I was working for a video chain as part of the buying team, um, and went to a screening of this mm. in, um, yeah, in Peterborough. Believe it or not, the glamour, the glitz. It's yeah. the perfect place to see it, isn't it? But, yeah, yeah, it's stunning, and beautiful. Mm. The colours in it, and I'm colour blind, and even I could tell the colours in it was sumptuous and beautiful. So yeah. it is Peter a bra. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have they have they still got the big wooden white letters of Peterborough in the hills? Yeah, they have. Yeah. Wow. wow. Okay. Oh, I haven't been to Peterborough. I must. I must go and see yeah. that. Yeah. Can I? Yeah. Can I tell you my favourite sign anywhere in England? Uh, when you go into Cambridge on the on the train platform, it says "Home of East Anglia University" in the Is Cambridge that... train platform. Oh right! All oh, right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just, I mean, flawless. I hope you. I yeah. hope you took a picture of that. And oh, I did. It. I know. In first, I don't know if it's still there. I haven't been in, in a little while on the train, but um, but yeah, I, I just, I, I. I, I I couldn't. I couldn't laugh. I couldn't stop laughing for a minute. I, I just. I thought that was magnificent. Oh. Fantastic. Okay, then Neil, your number three, please. So we've already mentioned this. Um, I don't, I'm like Helen. I don't care if it's a Christmas movie or not. Die Hard. Um, love a bit of action. Uh, love a bit of Bruce Willis in this. Love a bit of Alan Rickman in this. He's mm-hmm. the perfect villain. Uh, it's just like we said. It doesn't falter from start to beginning. It doesn't wane. Doesn't it keeps you on that ride all the way to the very end and it's superb i mean i would suppose most people listening to this have probably seen the movie Mm. and i hope they feel the same way as i do but yeah it's i honestly can't believe it's not in my top 10 i honestly can't believe go home oh you are home (laughs) yeah yeah that's one of the The way we've talked about this this i know it's one of the biggest regrets in my life that this yeah. isn't in my top 10 of greatest movies of all time. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's just, a, it is a, a, a 
pure ride, pure entertainment, I think is joyous. And in every form, it's joyous. And I still got fond memories of the ITV showing it at like six o'clock in the evening and turning it to Maggot Farmer and everything like Yippee yeah. Maggot Farmer. I still <laughs> loved it. Do you know what I mean? It's it's great, isn't it? It's just a great movie. It's it it's it's phenomenal. Imagine being Alan Rickman and that being your first movie. I know. Imagine it's what the crazy. Heck? Yeah, yeah, absolutely crazy. But um, he's one of those guys. I mean, I, he, he, you look at him in that. And then look at him and say Harry Potter, and it looks like two completely different people. Mm. It's just the way that. He, and then what was the? Oh God, what was? The, well, he um, does it in the movie, doesn't he? The one minute he's perfectly German, and then he's yep. down with in Bill the Clay. Thing. Bill yeah. Clay, Clay, yeah, yeah. Bill Clay, Bill yeah. Clay, yeah. What mm. was the movie that he did? I think after that, the, the British movie where Truly Madly Deeply, Truly mm. Madly Deeply, with yeah. Julian Stevenson, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah that was yeah. beautiful movie. Beautiful film, that's a yeah. great film. Yeah. Um, okay, my number three. Um, predictably, is uh, Star Wars Episode Five: The Empire Strikes Back. Ah, oh, that's my number two. <laughs> is that your number two? Hey. Genuinely, is my number two. Okay, I, I, I pretty much I, said my number one and number two would stay the same, and that's my number two. Yeah, I kind of sort of fought against putting Star Wars in there because it seems just predictable for me to put Star Wars in there. Because like everything surrounds me, Star Wars is in my DNA and it's like it has to be in there. And Mm. sometimes also you take it for granted because it's Mm. uh, the good Star Wars. And it's sort of, you know, so you feel like is is that too predictable to put it in your top 10 greatest movies? Um, I think it's the best Star Wars movie Mm. still to this day. Yeah, I I agree. Mm. Well... Maybe, yeah. maybe. Nah, I'll, come on. Maybe, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Still, well, Rise of Skywalker with you, Parf. I'm well, you know, I, I, you know, <laughs> I, I just, I don't know. I just love seeing that Emperor come back. You know, it was just, somehow, uh, somehow. Yeah. Yeah. Let's not open that can of worms. No. I, I haven't got enough gigabytes of storage on my computer <laughs> to go into that. We we'll leave that alone. We'll leave but it was that so alone. good because George Lucas didn't direct it. I'm sorry, George, but it's that good. It's yeah. you know. It it needed and yes, yeah, brilliant, isn't it? It did. Yeah, he's a he's a phenomenal inventor of story and character mm, and a, yes. a less phenomenal writer of dialogue. So yeah. and I feel like he wouldn't disagree too hard with that. No. Um so so I think it, it benefits from having fresh eyes on it. But um mm. yeah. But yeah, no, it's the it's the best I mean it could it could absolutely have been on my list. It isn't, but it could have been. Um and uh and yes, I think it is still the best star wars thing or although i was just watching lego star wars holiday special just before this and that's 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 fantastic um (laughs) and andor of course recently i think is that is the thing that's come closest no No spoilers no spoilers but um i think the one thing i found about andor was and what was refreshing Mm. as much as i love fan service there was hardly any fan service wasn't interested didn't want to do it and it was just telling you a good story with good plot and good dialogue and great characters. And that, like, that was refreshing. If you have a fan service character that you really want to be in your story, like Mon Mothma in that, in that show, yeah, yeah, then great. Find something for her to do and yeah. do that with her. And fantastic. Yeah. But don't just have somebody showing up because mm. you like the costume, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, this is not an Andor thing, but no. wow, Andor is amazing. Yeah, absolutely. I shall be enjoying that soon. Indeed, indeed. Helen, your number two then, please. My number two, uh, I sort of alluded uh, vaguely to earlier, but it's Raiders of the Lost Ark. Um, That's my number two. Hey! 
uh, it's it's a flawless film again it's just there, there is not a wasted scene there is not a wasted line there is there is nothing that doesn't work about it um except that you know Indy keeps failing but that's what he's meant to do and and it's so much more interesting than the guy who always triumphs um uh, it's Harrison Ford did his best it's Spielberg just just being the greatest director at the of the t- mm. moment um mm. the script is perfect um it's brilliantly shot, brilliantly yeah. shot, um, yeah. uh, and and you know, all the effects stuff, all the all the drama and the scale of it. Oh yeah, love it, yeah. amazing. Uh, and I still find it amazing. Sh- it was oh go on. I was going to say every shot looks like a Spielberg shot. That's the thing about it. Mm. Yeah. It's like the lighting, it just looks what Spielberg was and is. You know, it's uh, yeah, it's faultless, absolutely mm. faultless. Go on, Neil. Faultless. It is. I was just going to say, I, I, you know, I, I watch this film a lot because mm. I just think, like Helen said, it's a perfect movie. It, um, it's the fact that it was a PG when it was released, or an A, yeah. I should say. Yeah. Back in the mm. day when we went to see it. And Which is crazy. It would never get away with that now, no, would it? No, of course it wouldn't. You now in faces. But yeah, it's a in. fantastic movie, isn't it? Fantastic movie. Indeed. It's like yeah. Indy in that movie is what everybody thinks they could be, like a hero wise. He's he's a human hero, you know, he's he's not yeah. he's not flawless. You punch him in the face and you split his lip. That's the thing. He bleeds. It, it, yeah. Not, yeah. And that's that's the beauty of him, yeah. is he gets hurt. And he you know, it's not the years, it's the mileage, but he mm. you know, he's you can see the scars yeah. You know, yeah. literally yeah. everywhere. From his bottom lip to you know all over his body, mm. um, I, I feel like I feel like so much of Spielberg's work is sort of in my DNA, and it really could have been yeah. Jaws. It could have been mm. this. It definitely could have been ET, and, and very nearly was. Um, could have been Close Encounters. Mm. Um, it could have been you know Schindler, Schindler Jurassic Park. <laughs> well, it probably wasn't going to be 1941. It wasn't going to be Always. It wasn't going to be Ready Player One. Could have been Lincoln. It's probably right. the most recent one, okay. yeah, um, yeah, yeah. but uh, but yeah, I think I think Raiders is is hard to ignore. Mm. Completely agree. Uh, okay, Neil, your number two was Empire Strikes Back. It was my number two is Raiders of the Lost Ark. So before we reveal our number one greatest movie of all time, Helen, if you'd like to give us a countdown from number ten to number two, then Neil will do the same, and then I'll do the same. All right. So my number ten was His Girl Friday. Coming in at number nine, Hunt for the Wilder People. Number eight, Buster Keaton's The General. Number seven, Cyrano de Bergerac, the Rapineau version. Number six, A Matter of Life and Death. Number five, Singing in the Rain. Number four, Spirited Away. Number three, In the Mood for Love. And number two, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Wonderful. Neil, your 10 to 2, please. So number 10 is Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring. Number 9, Goodfellas. Number 8, An American Wealth in London. Number 7, Reservoir Dogs. Number 6, It's a Wonderful Life. Number 5, Jaws. Number 4, The Exorcist. Number 3, Die Hard. And 2, Empire Strikes Back. Wonderful. And mine is uh, number 10, Everything Everywhere All at Once. Number 9, Glen Gary, Glen Ross. Eight, Some Like It Hot. Seven, Blade Runner. Six, Jaws. Five, Field of Dreams. Four, Back to the Future. Three, Star Wars Episode Five: The Empire Strikes Back. And number two, Raiders of the Lost Ark. So, Helen, Mm. today, what is your number one (laughs) greatest movie of all time? Well, okay, so I'm going to set this up a little tiny bit. Um, 
I think I wrote in my empire, I was asked to write an empire bio at one point, a very short one. And I said, most people think I love superhero movies more than anything else. But what I actually love is incredibly smart movies about people falling verbally in love, like smart people talking a lot and falling in love. Um, and you can probably tell that already from the top 10, actually, if you think back. But um, but that's why I've gone for The Apartment. Billy Wilder right, okay. and IAL Diamond, uh, written script, Billy Wilder directed, Jack Lemon doing every single moment of that movie better than any human has ever done anything. Like there, there is a scene where he strains past her using a tennis racket that is, that is just a miraculous piece of character work. It is, it is unbelievable that a human being can be that good at acting. Um, and, uh, and yeah, every, every single thing he does in every frame of that movie is magnificent. But um, but it's also Billy Wilder at his best. It's Shirley MacLaine mm. has mm. never been better and she has been very good uh, other in other places. It's an incredible supporting cast. It is this hard-baked cynicism running right through it that, again, like we were talking about with It's a Wonderful Life, just cuts through the romance and, and makes it feel more real and makes it feel more precious and more rare and more important. I, it's incredible the apartment yeah yeah i think if we ever do top 10 actors i think jack lemon would be somewhere up he he absolutely should be yeah Yeah. i i think i think people you know have a little bit forgotten about him because but you're kind of resting now on glengarry glenn ross for very late career lemon uh the apartment and some like a hot those three alone would be Mm. enough i think Yeah. yeah but um but you know he he there's actually a so his girl friday is based on a play called the front page he actually did an adaptation of the front page um in the 70s he's he's incredible in that as well you know he's just Mm. he was great in um grumpy old men like yeah yeah you know um yeah just one of the old timers yeah he was a great actor wasn't he that's a great one. That is a great one. I've 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 written down what I think Neil's number one is. So I'm going to see whether it is Neil. What's your number one? It's Raiders of Lost Ark. Yeah, I, hey! it really is. I mean, I don't need to say too much more. But it's that proper, you know, chapter play serial that we used to get put in a big screen version. It's just fantastic, isn't it? It really is timeless. I think mm. the word is, and there yeah. it is. Yeah, don't need to yeah. say too much more. Wonderful. Uh, my number one, I'm sure you can write, you know what it is, Neil, didn't you? Yes, Freddie Got Fingered. It was, <laughs> and I can't believe that more people don't like that movie. <laughs> it's uh, episode four, Star Wars episode four, A New Hope. Yeah. Um, I, I kind of, sort of gave it away with my number three, really. It's like I, I've just said, Star Wars is in my DNA, and as much, and we won't, I don't want to talk about it, episode nine too much, as much as episode nine coming out of that movie made me question my feelings that actually Star Wars is just a movie where I'd never felt that before in my life after Rise of Skywalker. Um, after The Mandalorian, not so much Boba Fett, um, but definitely Andor has made me fall in love back with Star Wars again, which, is, um, which isn't a bad thing because I've, mm. I've been in love with it since I was eight years old. So... You know, it's kind of nice to fall back in love with with an old love that you sort of mm. thought was uh, 
was kind of being nasty to you for a while. <laughs> <Come> <laughs> it is nice to sort of fall back in again. I'm not 100% like in, back in love, but I'm kind of sort of giving it a second chance, you mm. know? Mm. It's a new hope for love, if you will. Oh, beautifully oh, done, Heather. See, <laughs> that is why... That is why you do what you do and you do it so well. Um, right. Before we have a little bit more of a chat, I just want to, mm. uh, we have a couple of honourable mentions. I do mm. notice that we didn't get loads of honourable mentions because I think it was just too hard a question. Yeah. Far too hard. Yeah, Far too hard. But Stu Grant said the Blues Brothers, the Big Lebowski, great, Planet great. of the Apes, 1968, yeah. The Crow, uh, Evil Dead 2, Halloween, Fight Club, uh, and The Good, The Bad and The Weird. Uh, at and why not pod said I think we all know that the answer here is Footloose which is his answer I believe oh which version is that Peter Quill (laughs) it could well be Um, but if we're going to insist there are others how about In the Mood for Love A Matter of Life and Death Local Hero Mm. His Girl Friday Field of Dreams uh, Heat Out of Sight Aliens and Paddington 2. Oh, Paddington 2. What are we doing with our lives? There you go. Oh, my goodness. At SP underscore filmmaker said Jurassic Park, The Shining, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, uh, and The Dark Knight. Uh, And at Andy McEwen 1 said Robocop, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, Goodfellas, and Back to the Future. So thank you very much, everybody, that was brave enough to put their their face on. I mean, at uh, least we covered some of those, but I, yeah, a, a lot that we absolutely could have added. But Paddington yeah. too, magnificent film. Absolutely, film. absolutely. Before we do uh, say our goodbyes, Helen, I did want to ask, uh, mm. in the latest episode, or the latest episode, the la- latest um, copy of Empire magazine, mm-hmm. it's all very Indiana Jones heavy. You had mm. some um, very exclusive Indiana Jones stuff. So first of all, when you get an exclusive like that, obviously... Yeah whether it's yourself or whoever it is that goes off and, and does does the reporting. Funny enough, know- that was the editor himself. That was Oh, that's really strange. Yeah. <laughs> very strange. I wonder how that worked out. Um, they obviously must know about it way ahead of time. So how hard is it to keep that kind of information quiet mm. when I'm sure all you want to do is go and say, we've just been to Indiana Jones. You must want to just tell everybody. Yeah, we, yeah. Um, and you can't, uh, generally speaking, because you've signed very scary embargoes and you're not allowed to talk about things. Um, you know, they'll usually allow you to tell like a, a spouse or a partner or, mm. you know, your immediate family. But, um, but yeah, it is, I mean, this, this kind of stuff, I, I know, you know, people think, oh, you just go and do an interview and you put a, put in a picture and boom, you've got a magazine. But there are literally negotiations that happen years sometimes in advance with the studios trying to get this access, trying to get exclusive images, trying to get good enough images for a cover and something that that is exciting and interesting and, and yeah. that readers will will cherish and want to you know want to own, you know. So it is it is an incredible amount of work. I mean Terry White, uh, Nick DeSemblin, you know, all the Empire editors that I've been lucky enough to work for over the years that they they sweat blood over the magazine they really really mm. do every single month um so yes when nick says i would like to take this one please nobody really argues because uh, yeah he like he earns it every single month you've got no yeah, idea yeah. so um but yeah he he got to interview harrison ford at, about indiana jones you know um and and this is why 
you know, this job is is so fabulous and, and so I'm so lucky to have it because we do sometimes get to do these things. We do get to go on set of some of these films. We do get to talk to these people and um, and it never ceases to be a thrill and a pleasure and a privilege. Mm. You know, it's, it's wonderful. Yeah. Especially when something like Indiana Jones, because there seems to be like there's no we don't even know the name of the movie yet no no we, we still don't, don't know no. yeah. so I, and i know you haven't but i take it that even you don't know i do not know and no, i don't know what nick has been told because he right. wouldn't he would obviously not wouldn't blab, say anything um but um but i i do not because i was not privy to to any of that mm. certainly so right but yes it may be that others do i don't want to speak for them but um but yeah it's it, but sometimes we do you know we do know things um Chris sat on some very big Avengers um, tidbits that that you know he he sort of gleaned, um, but wasn't you can't really just like go out and announce it. I mean, apart from anything else, if we spoiled a film, our readers would kill us. Never mind the publicists, you know. Exactly. Um, yeah. And we don't want to be that guy. That's not no. what we do. Um, but I remember like this is a very old example, so I can tell you. But like I went on X Men Origins Wolverine. I didn't know how it was going to turn out. I was just excited because it had Wolverine in it, <laughs> and. Um, and they kept talking about there's no X-Men in this movie, there's no X-Men in this movie. And then they walk us past a trailer that says Scott Summers on the door. Oh, right. So, right. you know, you're like, well, guys, I think there's an X-Men in your movie. Like, I don't want to yeah. be <laughs> difficult. But so, you know, th- things like that, you you sometimes just pick up or somebody will let something slip on set. And, and then you kind of have to find out, is this a spoiler? Because I don't want to spoil mm. things. But equally, journalistically, I don't want to ignore it if it's if it's a legit non-spoiler, if he's in the first scene and it's not going to be a problem and he's going to appear in the first trailer, I want to be able to talk about that, you know? So it's a, mm. it's a, it's a balancing act with that kind of stuff. Yeah. Cause the movie studios must be putting a lot of faith and trust in, in letting people like yourself, mm. cause especially with things like mobile phones these days as well, that, that people can just get a quick, you can't, you can't take pictures on a set. Oh, yeah, yeah. You, can, you yeah. cannot take pictures on a set. And, um, and generally speaking, uh, we, you know, if we see a film very early, we'll be signing an embargo going, we're not going to write about this until mm. X oh, right. date. Yeah. Um, just to just to control that kind of thing. So yeah, there, there is a there is a certain amount of of that kind of negotiation that has to go on. But mostly it's really about just um just trying to convince them that yes, we can be trusted with this information and we won't um and again, like like I say, this is not like us failing to be journalists and dig out, ferret out the truth. We're we're trying to ferret out what is interesting and important and good to know and not what is going to spoil a movie down mm. the line. So it's it's mm. trying to find that balance. And sometimes I've I've literally said sometimes on set visits, please tell me enough so I can know what a spoiler is, because mm. I don't want to do it by accident. Yeah, yeah. You know, so it's it's walking that line tends to be the issue. Mm. Um yeah, it's it but it but like I say, it's I mean what what a privilege to be in this position. I have one quick question, Helen, before Bring we it. go. As it's uh, Christmas week, this recording is going out. Next, obviously, 2023 is on mm-hmm. our doorstep. What is the movies we should be looking forward to in 2023? Good question. And so, just like that, we unfortunately lost the internet signal. And um, lots has happened since we finished recording that to how I'm standing or sitting here now. So, thank you very much to Helen O'Hara. Um, apologies that the internet went out, like how it did. Um, we were very, very close to finishing anyway. Uh, Neil had that burning question, uh, which unfortunately, I'm, well, 
I'm sure we'll get to uh, uh, ask Helen that sort of sometime in 2023. And it's weird because since then, on the actual day that we recorded that episode, when I, I spoke to Helen about Indiana Jones, that was the day that the Indiana Jones trailer dropped. And the trailer uh, dropped and the title dropped, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Not sure about that. Um, so that was strange. And then also, uh, as I'm recording this, a couple of days ago, uh, Neil broke his knee in two places, taking the dog for a walk. So a lot has changed um, in that time. Um, but we hope you have a lovely Christmas. Uh, we, I've been to Disneyland Paris and back uh, with mixed results. I'm sure we'll talk about that sometime on a future podcast. But uh, we're all fighting colds and stuff like that. So I just thought I'd come on, say thank you to Helen, and also to give the usual gubbins, come and support us, please, on uh, uh, all the social medias, uh, Top 10 Pods. Email us, top10pods at hotmail.com. And uh, also come and support the podcast. Uh, just go to patreon.com forward slash top 10 pods. Loads of different rewards. You can get to be a guest on your own episode, if you fancy. Uh, and we're also on YouTube, as you see, and uh, come and support the podcast and uh, leave us a rating and review. All of that gubbins. Uh, safe to say, have a lovely Christmas, have a lovely holiday. Uh, Neil, get better soon. Thank you very much to Helen. And um, I think that's all we need to say. We just need to go and have a holiday. So thanks very much. Let's start the countdown. Ten, nine. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.